seated. This time we will read responsibly Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the God. Let Praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. With the godly exulting in glory, let them sing for joy of their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats, and the two swords in their hands. Execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. Find their kings with chains and their nobles to execute on them the judgment written. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Glory, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that together with them we may come to the unspeakable joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. It's time to continue with the readings from Holy Scripture. First reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Our second lesson is from 1 John 3, 1-3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The love that we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. 
And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading today is taken from St. Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 1. <coughs> Seeing the crowds, he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of our Lord. There you are. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today for this All Saints Sunday is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have called us to be your saints. And now today, Lord, as we are gathered here as your saints, but also to remember the saints who have gone before, we pray that you would fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is uh, this important Sunday in the church year that we do call All Saints Sunday. Uh, and we call All Saints Sunday, that's what we're celebrating today, but actually All Saints Day is not today. All Saints Day was back on November 1st, which was, what was that? Tuesday, thank you. It was Tuesday this past week. That is All Saints Day. Now, another word for saints uh, is someone who is hallowed, someone who has been rendered holy, or you hallow them. Remember when you say the Lord's Prayer, you say, hallowed be thy name, right? Because we're praying not so much that we make God's name holy, uh, but that his name would be found holy in our lives. So we're hallowing his name, which means All Saints Day is another way of saying All Hallows Day. And what's the day before All Hallows Day? Halloween. Halloween. Oh, now you know where it comes from. It's not just the satanic devil's birthday or something like that. Actually, it's a celebration that prepares us for All Hallows Day. Now, I don't know why we call it Halloween instead of All Hallows Eve. I don't know where Eve and Ween switch, but I do like the change, and I hope you will all join us this year for our Christmas Ween service on this. <laughs> <laughs> But it is curious to me that we call this day All Saints, and on the day we celebrate All Saints, that we focus on those who have died in the faith. I think this is kind of a curious thing, because we have this sort of misunderstanding that sainthood is something that happens to us after we die. We, we tend to think that the saints are those who have gone to rest from their labors and are in the presence of the Lord. And very often that idea is dangerously coupled with another idea. That sainthood is something that we achieve. 
So that sort of, in order to become a saint, you have to live a really good, faithful Christian life on earth so that when you die, God will finally reward you with this title of saint. So we think we gather here today to remember those who have finally achieved it. They finally accomplished it. They are finally saints, or so the thinking goes. But I would suggest to you this morning that this is a bit of a misunderstanding. Now, to be sure, those who have died in the faith, they're at rest with Jesus. They are saints, to be sure, in his presence. But it's not the bodily death that got them there. That's not what made them into saints. Although I think we could say what made them into saints was a death of a sort. It's a death of the old sinful nature that came to all those who were baptized into Christ Jesus. See, what makes you a saint is the gift of baptism, where Paul tells us the old sinful nature is crucified with Christ. In Romans chapter 6, the old sinful nature in us is crucified with Christ. Our sinful nature is put to death, and you are raised to a new life in him. If you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You've been set apart by God for his work in this world. I think this is what Paul is getting at when he writes to uh, his pastor Titus with these words. God saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. See, the only thing that's actually holy anywhere is God. God is the only truly holy one. But in the waters of baptism, St. Paul tells us right here, uh, God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave you, he poured out on you the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit has united you to Jesus. Therefore, you are united to the one who is holy. That's why we call him the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's making us holy. He unites us to Christ. Sainthood, therefore, is not a reward for a Christian life, but rather, it's what all Christians are called. You are saints in the kingdom of God, set apart by God for holy work in this world. This is what I think Paul is getting at in Ephesians 2 when he says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now I like this, this idea that God has sort of prepared these good works in advance for us to do. God has set the life up for us that we should walk in the way that he wants us to to walk. He has given us these lives where he works through us to be a blessing to the world around us. So what he's really doing in baptism is he's consecrating us. He's making us holy. He's setting us apart. Actually, that's what the word holy means, if I haven't said this already. Holy means to be set apart. Do you understand this? You are set apart from the rest of the world. All Christians are set apart to receive the gifts of God, to praise his name, to proclaim his name to the world around us so that more people might join us and be set apart in this kingdom of God. And he has given you good works to do that he's prepared for you in advance. You have been saved. It's kind of like if you have ever seen someone become a knight in, in England or something like this. Like they'll go before the queen or the king and they'll take a, a sword and they'll say, I dub thee a knight. When you were baptized, 
Jesus said, he didn't say dove. Uh, but when you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I call you a saint. You are sainted. If you want the big theological word for this, you're going to get it even if you don't want it. It's sanctified. That's what we mean by being sanctified. All by God's grace alone. You can think of it like this. In the Old Testament, we had the temple. And the temple was the place where God promised to be present with his people. And when you went into that temple, there were a number of items you would see. The priests would go in there to offer up sacrifices. But inside of that temple, they had things like a bowl. So they could sort of have ritual washings as they went in. There's a bowl of water. They had a table for the showbread. The showbread was uh, uh, called the bread of the presence. And there you would remember that God was present with them, just like on the Exodus. So they had a table of bread on it. You had an altar area where you had coals, fiery coals, to offer up the sacrifices and a pleasing aroma to God. You had curtains. and You had all kinds of things like this inside of the temple. Now, what's interesting to me about this is that if you look at that stuff inside of the temple, it didn't look all that much different from the same kind of things outside of the temple. Like if you took the bowl from the temple and put it in your kitchen, it would just look like a normal bowl. Uh, the, the fire and coals inside of that altar, same kind of fire and coals. I, I don't think they were Kingsford or anything, but it's the same kind of stuff you would find outside. The bread, there was no magical recipe for this bread, just normal bread on a normal table. But here's what was different about it. God consecrated. He set it apart as his own. That was his stuff that was used for worship of his name and for work there in, among the people of God. So this is what's interesting to me about us as saints. You are like that. You are God's holy things. He set you apart for worship and work. But here's the funny thing. You don't all look that much different from everybody else in the world around you. You don't, you don't uh, start glowing once you become a saint. Do you know this? Like, only Ben Romano here has a halo around his head. That's the most fun thing. Oh, no, is crazy. Uh, uh, you know, it's like the paintings. You know, you always see the saints, they got like the big gold plate or the halo around it. That doesn't happen to you. You don't start glowing. You don't start floating around with angels singing behind you or something like this. You know what the life of the saint looks like? It looks a lot like the life of everybody else in the world. Saints wake up in the morning, uh, get out of bed. Sometimes it's easier than other days, although today was nice to get the extra hour of sleep, uh, which is why you get an extra hour of church, by the way. But you have uh, this, it's a pretty normal thing. You wake up, say your prayers, do that great holy work of, of making coffee and eating breakfast. Probably do that holy work of watching the news or something like that, reading the paper before you leave. And you get in your car and you make a holy drive to your holy work where you serve your holy or not so holy boss, you work for your neighbors, you work hard at your marriage, try and raise your kids well, uh, you, you pray for the grandkids, you reach out to the grandkids, and you drive the kids around to every single stinking baseball game they have. But you do this stuff, and you put your head on your pillow at night, and you fall asleep. And when the morning light comes creeping in, you get up and do it again, oh man, Jackson Brown would tell That is, that is, Kind of what the life of a saint looks like. Pretty mundane. Pretty normal. Except for this. You're a child of God. And so as God sees you do all of that, make your coffee, drive to work, talk with your co-workers, God looks at all of that and smiles and he says, that is good. That is good work. Because that's my saint. 
I've made them my own, I've united them to myself so that the work they do is good and pleasing to me. We read in the scriptures, apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. But you are not apart from faith. The Lord Jesus Christ holds you in the palm of his nail pierced hand. And so the work you do is pleasing to Even if it doesn't look that thrilling to the rest of the world, when I was at my previous congregation, uh, we had a member there, his name was Rob, he's a wonderful man. Uh, and Rob told me once, he thinks of it like this, he says, I, I like art, I like Da Vinci, I like the Mona Lisa, I think that's pretty cool stuff. But the other day, my son Daniel came home with a really scribbled crayon drawing with my name on the top. And I put that thing on my fridge, and I show it off to all my friends, because I love that he did that for me. I love that he did this because I love him. So I like the Mona Lisa, but I love the work that my son does. That's how it is with our work in God. The rest of the world might not be all that impressed by us. The Lord sees it and loves it because he loves us. Life as a saint, you see, is not one a miraculous event after another. It's by and large pretty mundane. Though I do think we who are saints in this world do have this one thing that does kind of distinguish us, and we hear about it in the Beatitudes. I think that the saints begin to notice something as they live their lives, carrying out their vocations, going to their callings, doing the good works God prepared in advance for them to do. I think we saints find ourselves frustrated a little bit easier. We find ourselves weeping. Weeping over the sin we see in the world around us. We begin to hunger and thirst, Jesus says today, for righteousness. You begin to find that as you, as you become more bold with your faith and share your faith with others, you begin to try and talk to people about Jesus and give them the hope and the forgiveness that you have. You find that you get pushback from friends and family members because of these beliefs. You work for, for peace. You work for mercy. You strive towards mercy, and you're met with resistance. Even there's days where you look in the mirror and you find yourself frustrated and shocked even by your own sin that you just cannot seem to get rid of. And for the saints, all of this situation, all of these situations, we find ourselves brokenhearted with sorrow and guilt and shame and longing for something more, wishing that things would finally be made right. But I think in the midst of all of this today, this is where Jesus has the good news for us saints. Where he says, listen, no matter what circumstances you see on the outside, no matter what sins you're wrestling with on the inside, no matter what it is you are going through, you are one of my own saints. You are a beloved, forgiven, blood-bought, baptized saint of the Most High God. The shorthand for that long phrase is blessed. You are blessed in the midst of all of life's circumstances because you have the promise of the kingdom of heaven. You are blessed because you have the promise of the comfort and eternal life that will be yours in the new heaven and in the new earth. You will be satisfied, Jesus says, with the righteousness of Christ. You will receive mercy and reign in the kingdom of God alongside Jesus forever and ever as his beloved saints for all of eternity. All of this is promised to you and to me and to all the saints. For Christ Jesus has chosen you. He has set you apart. He has died for you. He has risen for you. And he has made you his own. 
And so today, we give thanks to God for all the saints. Now there are those saints, we call them the saints triumphant, who now rest from their labors, and they are in the presence of Christ. And for them, today, we remember them, and we rejoice. We also know there are no more saints than the rest of us. For you are, dear saints, the holy people of God, saved by His grace alone and set apart for the good work He has prepared in advance for you to do into all eternity. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, we give you great thanks for the mercy and forgiveness you've shown us, that you call us to be your saints. We ask you now, Lord Jesus, that you would teach us to faithfully carry out the good works you have prepared in advance for us. And Lord, as we long for that time when we finally see you face to face, Grant us your Holy Spirit, and let us persevere. In Jesus' name we pray.